0: Hello, I am Nick Collin with Information Security Media Group and I'm joined today by Toby McFarlane, who is Head of Approvals and Fraud at CMSPI. Toby, welcome.
1: Hi Nick, yeah, glad to be here.
0: So, I'm interested really, I mean, the reason that I reached out to you the other day for this conversation is we are, you know, in, in the midst of a pandemic and it, it's having serious repercussions in, well, every aspect of our lives, but... One is really how we pay for things. And, you know, there's there's been some interesting announcements even today. I mean, one is that the the Russian central bank is effectively taking notes out of circulation for 14 days to, I guess, literally money launder and, and, you know, sort of sterilize the the cash before it goes in or make sure it's it's virus free. Um, And then you have some of the, the, you know, the card networks announcing that they're lifting the limits for contactless transactions in Europe so that, isn't required for a much higher threshold so maybe talk to me about where you see from kind of again the physical perspective in terms of retailers and going to atms and the point of sale and so on how, how what kind of an impact are you anticipating through covid19 sort of longer term with that
1: yeah absolutely and i think um the contactless limit being raised uh, to point 40- it's, it's going to be interesting to see what effect that has because obviously the footfall in stores has drastically reduced anyway recent, in recent times, so it remains to be seen what sort of effect that will have. I actually personally expect that that limit won't go back down as well um, if, if, once we come out of this, this crisis, so obviously that's a great result um, for the card schemes and for anyone who has a stake in, in card transactions, and it's going to really be up to... Um, sort of at a government level, really, to ensure that access to cash really, really stays um, following the crisis. Um, in terms of in terms of ATM volumes, we've already seen um, some statistics whereby there's been a 25% reduction in certain countries of ATM volumes. And, and again, COVID-19 is going to have a, a, a very large effect on cash usage generally around, around the globe. And it's, it's going to accelerate a lot of um, the, the move towards cards, obviously. Uh, especially in in the US as well, when obviously we know contactless in the US, for example, is is much uh, in, in sort of much much earlier stages than it is in other countries. But this could accelerate that um, that progression as well. Yeah. So I'm kind of
0: wondering if people are, you know, do you think people are actively avoiding ATMs just because of you know the, the virus concerns and and it's, I guess simultaneously cash as well.
1: Yeah, I would I would say that's definitely um, a contributing factor. Obviously. Less footfall in retail stores means less footfall. That's obviously where the majority of, of ATMs are. And that obviously mean, means less footfall to those ATMs as well. And I think, yeah, cash has really not had a lot of good uh, press, especially in recent times with, with it being the main, a, a major transmitter of the disease as well. So I think those combined have definitely led to that. And I expect to see further reductions in, um, in cash levels as well going forward.
0: Yeah, no, it's interesting. I mean, it's, it's the other dynamic here. I mean, there's um, been a lot of instances of, you know, maybe a push to eradicate cash in a lot of environments and have cashless stores. The counter argument being, well, <clears throat> that that is in, in some respects cutting out people who may be unbanked or underbanked uh, in terms of yeah. you know, those are the people who are likely to be paid in cash and, and pay with cash. I mean, do you think this is, again, maybe a dynamic that's going to push uh, for, for greater contactless or card penetration amongst the, the, the unbanked and underbanked populations?
1: Yeah, well, I mean, ultimately, there's, there's a reason why those people are are underbanked. They, just, they don't have access to the right facilities in, in a lot of cases. So, as I said, it's going to be up to sort of governments and trade associations to really work to ensure that uh, the cash still stays available for those people. Um, obviously, in general, we're going to see a, push, a further push towards, towards cards and and contactless which were we're already seeing that coming through uh, in our data as well so it's good but cash obviously will still stay essential and um, to those people so it's going to be up to uh, those governments and uh, those lobbying groups to actually make sure that cash stays stays available because it's going to be it's going to be still essential for, for years to come
0: and then I mean
1: pivoting a little bit and
0: we've been talking obviously about sort of the physical world and the, the physical impact there we're now in an environment where You know, that is is probably the the largest remote workforce that the planet's ever seen. So, uh, you know, people are clearly skyrocketing in terms of ordering physical and digital goods online. Um, I mean, we can expect a a fraud spike with that. But are there any specific fraud schemes that you're anticipating based around COVID-19?
1: So you're right that yeah we were already seeing the uh, data um, that we're analysing that there's been a significant shift uh, in retail payments towards e-commerce already. So some of our merchants have sort of seen four times the traffic on a daily basis that they would have they would have seen previously. Now obviously that opens up additional opportunities for fraudsters. Obviously there's there's sort of a there's more to go at. There's a bigger pot to play with and there's more chance of those fraudsters being able to slip. Through the net for online uh, transactions. Hmm. Also, customer behaviours are changing as well. So, obviously, now you've got a lot of people sort of buying products for for maybe family family members who are more vulnerable. Um, and obviously, there could be issues there with with the fraud rules if the if the address of the the purchaser doesn't match the address the delivery address, for example. Right. That Could lead to to um to sort of low low approval rates um, and ultimately could. You know, it's it's something that the th- the fraudsters can take advantage of, because um, yeah. that's often how they'll try and get through. Also, obviously, people are transacting with higher amounts as well, so higher average transaction values, as we know, generally lead to lower approval rates. And um, so merchants need to be really proactive in sort of managing that. And there will be there will be merchants who who already do the majority of their business online will already be set up very well to deal with this, mm. whilst the High street retailers who've historically done the majority of their business in store uh, may not be sell very well and they'll be seeing this big spike and the fraudsters uh, may well target those more vulnerable merchants.
0: I suppose it, it, it's tempting as well maybe if you're an online merchant that you know in terms of getting that traffic and removing comp, you know cart abandonment you, you might remove some of the checks and balances like address verification or CVV or whatever you know is, is that something you're anticipating
1: as well? yes so it, it is worrying really and as you, as you say merchants have seen overall that their sales are decreasing obviously because they haven't to shut stores so the, the temptation will be there for the, the merchants to lower their, their fraud rules or to yeah as you say um, eliminate some of those checks and balances um, which is I would not I would not advise um, that as a, as a good route without without sort of proper justification uh, for that and it's it's, it's much too early now to, to see any meaningful data um, as to whether, you know, to, to lower your fraud rules because of this this new environment we're seeing now. So um, without proper analysis analysis and proper sort of uh, benchmarking information, then merchants aren't, aren't able to sort of make decisions um, for the best interest of their business at the moment. Yeah, makes a lot of sense.
0: Can you just revisit that four times traffic figure you mentioned is that been four times yes. the, the online traffic since this virus outbreak are you, are you indexing it to say yeah. for, you know the start of the year
1: yeah so we're, we're seeing obviously daily data from a lot of our clients daily transaction level data um, and obviously this is confined to certain sectors um, so we're seeing obviously online grocery has obviously had a huge spike um, right. over the past week and that's compared to sort of um, the comparable data from, from the year um, we are seeing that a lot of fashion retailers and department stores are also having spikes of transactions online as well um, so it's a drastic migration towards that online yeah. um, space that, go, that's go
0: interesting is that um you know i mean it's so as you say sort of online uh clothing stores do you think that's well i suppose people can't actually go to the stores but is that sort of again you know um I guess, sort of comfort shopping. People people are doing a bit of retail therapy as well as they're stuck inside.
1: Yeah, I think that's absolutely the case. I think, obviously, people are, you know, they're confined to their homes. They're probably a little bit, a little bit bored, so they, they, they can't spend the money going out to restaurants. They can't spend the money, you know, going out to do fun activities. So, therefore, they're, as you say, comfort buying with yeah. additional things that they don't need online. And as I say, it's not just the actual number of transactions that's increasing it's the actual average value of those transactions as well so people are buying more um online yeah interesting so i mean
0: in terms of your customer base toby i mean what what would be maybe your three recommendations for retailers that are out there and and you know it, this this is a you know clearly you know uncharted territory for them you know what, what would you recommend for
1: them in terms of minimizing their fraud exposure so the one thing you you should already have in place is uh, tools to monitor fraud and and approval rates um, and not only just monitor them but make sure you can benchmark your fraud and approval rates effectively as well Um, and obviously uh, cmspi have got access to a lot of data across the industry and you want you want to know um so say if you say you see a spike in in fraud for example you want to know if that's sort of a general industry trend or is that something that's specific to your business? Right. And if it is something to your business, then you can action that um, off the back end. Um, one thing I would say as well, um, piece of advice, is to make sure you're engaged with your suppliers as well. Um, and that's not sort of contracted suppliers like PSPs and, and merchant acquirers. It's issuing bank partners as well, because um, right. they'll they'll be making changes on their end on, on in terms of their, the way they assess transactions right. uh, to deal with this, and therefore. Um, you need to have that information so you can adjust your your rules on on the on the merchant end obviously we're seeing customers who normally shop in store uh, now shopping online and that's a completely different experience as we know and um, so that opens up opportunities for merchants as well and um, so there could be incremental customers there's opportunities to, to upsell with additional items as we've already seen atvs are increasing online and um, so if merchants can ensure their online payment experience and infrastructure is set up to handle that, um, then we could see uh, certain merchants sort of taking market share off of non-optimised merchants. So there is there is opportunity out there um, in in this crisis for, for sort of um, additional market share uh, for those those optimised merchants.
0: That was uh, Toby McFarlane, head of approvals and fraud at CMSPI and for Information Security Media Group. I'm Nick Holland.